Christian Call here with me is Megan Ellis, and this is the really useful podcast. It's the tech podcast for people who aren't so great with tech. Some might call them technophobes. Others might call them Luddites. Which are you? <laughs> Megan, how are you doing? Good, thanks. And yourself? Yeah, not bad. Thank you very much. We've got a, a jam-packed podcast this week. Uh, we're going to be looking at Sony's 2020 mobile phone lineup find out how spotify is easy to use and we're going to look at what's popular on netflix we've also got a bunch of recommendations tips and tricks and we're going to look at the current giveaways at make use of uh, let's go straight into it with sony's 2020 mobile phone lineup they've announced its 2020 xperia smartphone lineup i'm using an xperia zx1 Nice phone, not the most powerful, but uh, useful enough. Samsung's, twin, uh, beg your pardon, Sony's 2020 range features the Xperia 1 2. Xperia 1 Mark 2, which it's called the Xperia 1 and then Roman numerals 2, which is really, they've not put a lot of thought into the Xperia name convention these days, I don't think. There's also the Sony Xperia 10 2. <laughs> 10 2. <laughs> 10 to what? It's my 10 to, 10 to what? Uh, we've got the <laughs> no, Sony Xperia L4. And, you know, that's what they've put on the table to uh, combat the uh, the threat from Samsung and the Samsung Galaxy. Although, to be honest with you, I don't really think it's a threat. I think basically Samsung have pretty much won the Android smartphone war overall. Although, you know, we might be finding out a little bit different later on as there are some uh, questions over samsung's range what do you make of the sony range like sony makes good phones and a few years ago they were doing some really exciting things and when it comes to things like their camera sensors um they used to lead the pack so i'm glad sony's still going but i really would like them like like to see them take a few more risks um they've definitely been um kind of targeting the mid-range market more, but um, I feel like they have more to offer, like they have more up their sleeves, and I want them to kind of show off their innovation. Now. Now's the yeah. time. Um, Huawei's struggling. Uh, Xiaomi doesn't have a big presence outside of China and India. Samsung, like they're doing good things, but if you really innovate, you can kind of catch up with them. So, yeah. I mean, nothing looks astounding, but uh, it also, I guess, depends on the price. I think they probably yeah. have some of the more competitive prices on the market. Yeah. So in terms of um, quick look at features, the Xperia 1 2 has a triple lens rear camera with Zeiss optics with a 12 megapixel primary sensor, 12 megapixel telephoto lens and a 12 megapixel ultra wide sensor and 4,000 milliamp hour battery with key fast wireless charging sony xperia 10 2 has all of all the same stuff really but uh, lower spec on the camera 12 megapixel primary sensor to 8 megapixel sensors and then the xperia l4 steps things up a bit with the 13 megapixel primary sensor supports fast charging and a 2 megapixel depth camera but, yeah, like you say, Megan, I, I mean, I agree. I think Sony kind of, uh, they tend to have a kind of a circular attitude to whether it's intentional or not. I don't know. I remember uh, about around 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, I had a 
Windows Phone 6, Sony Xperia, the very first Sony Xperia. And it had a slide-out keyboard, hardware keyboard. And it was a really, really good phone. It was one of the best Windows mobile phones around. Then two or three years later, Xperia then completely moves over to Android. Nice Xperia Android phone. Five years later, not so great. But then they come around again with another great uh, Xperia, which is which I got, and the one I'm holding now is like my second Android Xperia. So it's 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 like they kind of ebb and flow with with Android. Whereas Samsung take a more kind of consistent line, I think. But yeah. I do agree, it would be nice for them. It's Sony, so we know that they innovate. So package some of it into the phones, for goodness' sake. <laughs> we shall move on to find out that Spotify app on mobile devices is now easier to use. Uh, it's launched a new version of its iOS app specifically, and it's uh, introduced some new features such as universal shuffle play button that saves you a click and the like play and download buttons for premium users are grouped in a row in the center of the screen. So you basically can get in and out of Spotify, press play, like something with the minimum interaction. And uh, we are told that there is an Android version of this update Update, update, oh, blimey, <laughs> uh, an Android version of this update is set to appear soon once the iOS one has been uh, rolled out fully. Uh, I don't use Spotify a lot. Do you use Spotify? Um, no, but I've been considering trying it with all the features they've been rolling out. Yeah, we, we've only been using it recently for in order to create a playlist because at the time it appeared... And this may not have been the case. It certainly doesn't seem to be the case now, but it appeared at the time that Amazon Music didn't do playlists. But I've been in the app a few times recently, and Amazon Music does have a button for playlists, although it's not clear how to create one. And so we created like an in-car playlist of basically drive tracks uh, for all the family, uh, (laughs) which which meant uh, putting some tracks in and then playing them. And then my wife decided, actually, that's not a great song. But uh, generally speaking, it went well. And, you know, tracks in there for the children as well. Um, I say tracks in there for the children. I'm not talking like they weren't listening to the Bing Bong song from Peppa Pig. Well, two of them Maybe. weren't. One of them <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they like rock music and stuff, the children. So a lot of 80s rock. Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's the Spotify app. And if you're on iOS, you should have the update ready to install. And if you're on Android, it'll be coming along later. Netflix is... And Amazon Prime Video as well. And all of these uh, streaming on-demand services are notoriously cagey about how many people are watching. I think it's probably fair to say that that's part of their business plan. They don't, they're not like a national broadcaster or a commercial broadcaster over the air having to fight for permission to have some bandwidth and have to justify to their advertisers how much they should be receiving for broadcasting in order to justify their existence. Netflix don't have to do that. We pay a subscription. They put shows out. They don't have to tell us how many people are watching. Maybe they will eventually. I don't know. But uh, in the meantime, they are releasing details of the most popular shows. Uh, So you can now see the uh, Netflix overall top 10 and the top 10 most popular shows and most popular films. And the lists are specific to your country and updated every day which is kind of uh, interesting so for example netflix uh, reveal like the most top 10 most watched 
TV shows or most watched films for each country, and you will probably find them on Twitter or through the uh, Netflix service. So pretty much everyone can find out what is the most popular show or movie on Netflix. And that's quite a useful feature. I definitely think so, especially when you're not sure what to watch. Um, yeah. You can see what's popular and might also make reduce your faith in humanity. It might, <laughs> and you see... might make you think, I'll go and watch something else completely different. <laughs> yeah, when you see how many of us have been binge-watching Love is Blind, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> so I would like it if uh, other, other services followed suit. It would be useful. At least in order to get an idea. Because here in the UK, we we obsess about the BBC and the licence fee and whether we should be paying the licence fee in a day and age because it's compulsory and you can basically go to prison if you don't pay it, which a lot of people don't think is particularly the best way of doing things or, for, or funding a broadcaster. Um, and it's not just in the UK and it's not just with the BBC. There's, you know, other channels in the UK have seen a massive downturn in viewers i'm largely certain it's the same across europe and north america and other places where netflix is prominent that audiences are generally declining for traditional uh, analog and digital terrestrial cable satellite broadcasts so for these guys to come clean with the top 10 is nice but some actual specific audience figures would be awesome it really mm. would be useful just to get an get a, an idea of how many people are watching online and through netflix and what have you uh maybe it'll happen one day we're going to move on to our recommendations now in which uh, megan and myself give you a link to something that we found interesting over the past uh, week or since we last spoke to you in Megan's case. And it's, it's something you might find interesting and be able to use your same, I'm, uh, yourself. I'm going to go first. And it's What Nerd, which is a kind of a sister slash child site to make use of. And there's a lot of... Have you contributed to What Nerd, Megan? No, but I, I have watched the quizzes. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've watched the quizzes as well. So basically, they've got a YouTube channel. And it's full of quizzes and there's the trivial geeks and there's the tech geeks try stuff as well where they try weird food and stuff. But the quizzes are a lot more fun. So there's a Pokemon trivia quiz, there's a SNES music trivia quiz, there's a Harry Potter trivia quiz, Norse mythology trivia <laughs> as well. Uh, yeah, so it, this is a YouTube channel. There's also a website, uh, whatnerd.com, but we're specifically talking today about the YouTube channel because it's just it's a lot of fun and there's some uh, funny moments in there and good 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 quizzes good ideas for quizzes and you, obviously, obviously you can play along at home so i would suggest you were uh, if you're in any way geeky about tv shows playing movie questions computer history trivia christmas trivia even snes music norse mythology pokemon <laughs> whatever head on to the youtube channel and join in with the game and uh, see if you do better than the team, basically. So that's the What Nerd YouTube channel. What have you got, Megan? I've got um, an exciting initiative called uh, SteamConnection.org. So came across this um, on 3D Printing Nerd's uh, YouTube channel. And basically, it's a uh, non-profit started by a 19-year-old um, woman, young woman, um, Danielle Boyer, 
And basically, she started an initiative called Every Kid Gets a Robot, which um, provides robots to to kids to help them with STEAM um, or STEM education um, at $18, $19 per robot. Um, and also provides like a um, – you can print your own robot if you have a 3D printer – or if you want to go to a maker space and print them, um, basically it's a very like open resource just to help roll out STEM education to kids. So um, Danielle's background is she's she's graduated high school and she's um, gotten basically um, a lot of STEM education, but she noticed that a lot of kids don't have access to this, and especially kids in poorer communities, minorities, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she's currently studying electrical engineering and mechanical engineering, but she wants to to roll out basically more access to STEAM education for under-resourced communities, um, girls, that kind of thing. Um, so it's actually a really cool initiative. Um, uh, you can get free access to the robot materials, including things like um, they provide you a password as soon as you – sign a letter of intent, I think basically to say like, you're not going to go <laughs> print these and then try to sell them for a hundred dollars or something. Um, you sign a letter of intent, you get a password and then you get all of their CAD um, things, files, their electrical diagrams and educational materials. And then you can use your own 3d printer or go to a makerspace or hire a 3d printing factory to print these things. So it gives resources to teachers, but also I guess parents who want to teach kids stuff and not requiring the same amount of resources it usually takes to to buy like robotics um, kits for kids um, and even if you buy them pre-assembled um, from the organization they're still eighteen dollars ninety five um, and it's only the shipping and any expedited parts uh, parts that are the extra kind of cost okay. but um, yeah, I really, it's a really cool initiative to see. It's from a young person wanting to make a difference. And I mean, in South Africa as well, like, definitely there are like so many kids who would be able to pursue these careers in um, like science, engineering, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But they can't because they just don't have access to the materials and that kind of thing. And even when I do see robot kits that I would have loved as a kid, they're like crazy expensive. So yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. It's a really impressive uh, initiative. Yeah. Check that out. If you have any interest in robotics or if you want to get your children involved in robotics, or maybe even if you want to get involved and spread the word about that uh, excellent project, every kid gets a robot. Who can argue with that? Hmm. (laughs) Okay tech tips and tricks to help you get better use out of your hardware now i don't spend that much time playing games on my phone these days as i used to i don't know maybe maybe it's having a kind of a full-time job (laughs) and three children i I don't know there there is some gaming on my phone but i uh two-player gaming on mobile i don't think i've ever done megan should i because you've compiled a list of the 15 best two-player mobile games to play anywhere. So I'm just thinking, you probably think that I'm missing out on not playing mobile games multiplayer. Mm, definitely. If <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel it, it adds to like 
the enjoyability of the experience, having that competitive aspect or cooperative aspect um, kills time during the day if you're like me. And I mean, I, I play mobile games like while I'm watching TV and <laughs> like, before going to bed. And like, I've got a very busy mind, so it's nice <laughs> to kind of like focus some of my energy on a mobile game. Um, yeah, so two-player games, they, they add that kind of fun element of competitiveness. It also helps you kill time in the office or whatever if you're waiting on something and you don't have work to do, maybe something with a co-worker or, yeah, with a kid um, or with a partner, something like that. So um, the whole to-play-anywhere aspect comes with the multiple ways you can connect uh, with the games that I've listed. So I've listed the games you can play on the same device, um, so like a local co-op type thing. Um, it's things like, these tend to be quite simple, so like Blow Hockey 2 is like air hockey on the same device, which is actually pretty fun, um, despite the smaller form factor. And then things like Crossy Road um, has a local co-op um, mode that is very, very frustrating. Um and then, yeah, the, the ones that you play online, it's kind of my favorite because obviously you don't have to be in the same location to play them and you can play them throughout your day. So it's things like Words with Friends too, but then also something that's really fun is Bowmasters. And it's kind of like the format that you get with like Worms where like you launch an attack against your competitor, um, but a lot more mobile friendly, funny cartoon violence. <laughs> don't play it with your children maybe. <laughs> Mm. Um, with friends, it's great. Um, and then, yeah, Boggle with friends is just like an, a different type of word game. And then if you want to play over local Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, um, there's also a few games you can um, choose. So it's different devices, but um, you are in the same location because you're using your local Wi-Fi or your Bluetooth connection. And one that I really enjoyed that I was really surprised by is Soul Knight. And it's like a little dungeon roguelike game. And you join with your friends. I think it's, it could be like two to five players or something. Um, you have this little character and you try to feed a dungeon. And then something that would really like take a lot of time, like you could sink into it for hours, is Terraria. So they've also released a mobile optimized version. They basically said they like rebuilt the game from the ground up to make it perfect for mobile. And I don't know if you've ever played Terraria, but it's, it's just this perfect kind of sandbox game that, yeah, you could play with kids, you could play with friends, that kind of thing. They basically said they like rebuilt the game from the ground up to make it perfect for mobile. And I don't know if you've ever played Terraria, but it's, it's just this perfect kind of sandbox game that, yeah, you could play with kids, you could play with friends, that kind of thing, um, and you connect using your local Wi-Fi um, or the free servers they provide, and yeah, that's it's a paid game for $5, but it's really it's really enjoyable game. Okay, I have tried playing Terraria, I didn't get away with it at all. Uh, so, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, great list, great, great games in there. I've been playing a game Sea Battle 2 in particular really interests me for me and my son. Mm. I've been playing recently on here, on my tablet, I've been playing Apple Knight, which is a really mm. cool platformer. 
Oh, okay, yeah, I know, that's great. And I'm not usually a platform fan at all, but I really enjoyed playing that. So, mm. uh, it's, and it's got a uh, sort of pixel design, so it's very console-y, uh, classic console But yeah, that's, that's a lot of fun. So yeah, 15 great, uh, great games. Was it Was it 15? It felt, felt yes. like you were. It was 15. 15, yeah, check those out. Check those out. Okay, Facebook Lite. Can you use it to replace Facebook? Well, basically, Facebook Lite is a new version of the Facebook app for mobiles for specifically those with poor data plans, you know, like areas where you can't get faster than 3G, uh, and low-end phones. The benefits of Facebook Lite are that its download is under 10 megabytes, uh, so it should down rel- download relatively quickly, even on slow connections, and it only takes up... Uh, well, less than two and a half, 2.19 megabytes of space on your phone. That's tiny. The normal version of Facebook takes up 167 megabytes. And I know what you're thinking. Why isn't everyone using Facebook Live? <laughs> and Facebook app is so fat. And yeah, it's a good question. And it's more than a representation of the mobile website. It's a different app to the mobile website. So you could access it via your mobile browser. But I suspect that's probably bigger. That's using more memory and storage than Facebook Lite as well. So, yeah, there isn't really a huge amount of difference. I think if you're just looking for standard Facebook usage, Facebook Lite is the best option. I mm. really do. Uh, it's available in North America as well as parts of Asia, South America, Africa, and Europe. But if you're not in a country where it's supported, you'll see a message saying that it's incompatible with your devices. So if I click on the Android link now, via the article, and as as ever, everything we've discussed in this week's release podcast will be available in the show notes. Uh, now, actually, no, it's actually given me the Facebook Lite installer page. It does say similar app already installed and needs an update of 51 megabytes. <laughs> uh, and I'm viewing it on my tablet, so it says that it's not optimized for my device. But I, I can see it, so I could presumably install it. And I think if you're interested in this, and it's not letting you install it, then you can probably, probably, but you'd have to check to find out, install it via an APK Mirror site, uh, such as APK Mirror, and get it that way if uh, Google Play won't let you have it. Uh, if you're on iPhone and you want to use it on iOS, I'm not entirely sure what you're going to do about that if it's not going to let you install it. If I click on iOS now, obviously it's not going to let me install it, but it's going to give me information about not being able to install it. No, it's not. So, yeah, it's potential, potentially accessible in North America and uh, Europe where, you know, speeds are largely faster than they are in Asia and various subcontinents. Have you tried Facebook Lite? Yeah, it's definitely a good way to save data. Um, it just it downloads less. It's uh, slightly cleaner in that it's not so loaded with features and that kind of thing. It doesn't automatically um, just show you all the media ever. <laughs> um, so yeah, in in my country, for example, uh, mobile data is expensive. So something like this is great. Like I mean, my phone can handle the full Facebook version and it has enough storage, but. Um, yeah, Facebook can chew up a lot of data um, if you're not careful. So Facebook Lite's definitely a great alternative to use, um, especially yeah, if speeds are slower. But just to save 
money on data when you're roaming, um, like you're <laughs> walking around and you're not on your home Wi-Fi connection. Because also yeah. here, and I guess in quite a few developing countries, there's not that much public Wi-Fi. And you also don't want to connect to public Wi-Fi willy-nilly anyway um, due to privacy concerns. But yeah. A lot of people are walking around and, and using data that comes out of their pockets. So um, it's definitely a great alternative. It's something I'd suggest to people who want to save on data um, using Facebook. Okay. Megan, do you have any uh, old routers knocking around? I have one that I'm not using that came with a contract. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people are the same. And uh, <laughs> You know, over the years, they do tend to gather up. Now, in some cases, the uh, company that you have the contract with may request the router back. But if you're with them for, like, I don't know, multiple durations, you know, multiple contract lengths, uh, they may not want a five-year-old contract back. So what are you going to do with these old routers? And it could be, might not be one that's come from an ISP either. It might be one that you've bought or come with some other kit that's, a bit more advanced than the standard ISP router. There are 10 things that you can do with an old router. I'm going to go through them very quickly and invite you to check the show notes for details. Okay, so first thing you can do is use a router, an old router to create a guest Wi-Fi connection so that anyone coming into your home can just use your Wi-Fi and they're not able to do things with your hardware, like hack stuff, because none of your normal hardware is attached to the guest Wi-Fi. You could use the Wi-Fi router as a wireless repeater, which is basically extending the range of the router. You can use it as a cheap internet radio. Again, check the show notes for the link for details on that. You can set an old router as a network switch as well, which basically uh, you shut off the Wi-Fi and just use the Ethernet ports on the back as a kind of extension. You can adapt it as a wireless bridge, which is similar to a wireless repeater, you can use it as a smart home hub. You can convert your old router into a network attached storage NAS box, which basically um, adds some storage to it, and then you have a router, a device on your network, a networked device that you can connect to to grab all your important files. An old router can be used as a web server, it can be used as a VPN router, but both of those solutions require a router that's capable of, or that is supported by DDWRT or any of the other open source router firmwares. And finally, you could just sell the router on eBay. Simple as that. Uh, this is quite a detailed topic. So as I mentioned, check the show notes, click the link and find out more about each of those. Any of, any of those attractive, Megan? Um, I'm keen on looking at the NAS um, type device thing and um, maybe as a VPN router. Um, that seems pretty cool because, yeah, I've always been a bit like, I don't know, not hesitant about VPNs, but um, it's just a lot of effort <laughs> to yeah, try to set up. Yeah, they can be a little fussy to set up. Yeah. And that's after you've found the best VPN for your requirements yeah. as well. You know, just clicking sign up to random VPN isn't necessarily the best option for mm. everybody. So, exactly. uh, yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. I th I mean, I've got a few of them knocking around, and I am interested in the VPN router, but I know that my spare router 
will not support DDWRT or any of the custom router firmware. So I think possibly it's going to end up being a wireless repeater. Mm. Yeah, we currently use um, one of our routers as basically like a a switch um, just to add some extra ports. And like also, yeah, as an extender, um, we do connect it via LAN just because we have a fiber connection. So we don't want to, they're older routers, so we don't want to throttle their um, speeds, but with like a wireless connection instead. But um, yeah, uh, that's a useful way that we've used it to connect our study to our lounge where our, um, what is it, the customer unit is. Okay. Now, Megan, you've uh, been, you're a big fan of mobile phones and you regularly get an early look at some upcoming devices and you can tell us about the samsung galaxy s20 series now can't you yes i can (laughs) so first off what i'm I'm just going to interrupt and i'm just going to paraphrase this very quickly from yourself why have they called it the s20 and not the s11 basically according to samsung it's because it's it's a game changer. They were like, no, it's not, it's not 2020. That's not what we called it. It's 20. They basically want to mark like a new era in their smartphones. Um, so apparently according to them, that's why it's not the S11. They're trying to kind of be like, no, this is, this is the new thing. I guess it's like with the, the iPhone 10 slash, I still call it the iPhone X <laughs> and those kind of naming standards. Um, and like Windows skipping Windows 9. Yeah. Um, that type of thing. It is a trend. So this is apparently their motivation for it is to be like, no, this is a big upgrade from our previous stuff. Is it? Um, in some ways, it definitely is. Um, they've kind of also gone back to the formula where the like standard device and then the plus version of the device is basically like their flagship and then the flagship with some extra storage and some extra battery, which I enjoy because I don't want to have to choose, for example, um, with like a S9 and an S9 Plus or something. I don't want there to be such a huge difference between them that it's like two different phones, you know? Sure. Um, I, I like that kind of, okay, for those people who just need a little bit extra on their phone and that it's not too much of a gap in price. So, um, Samsung's returned to that and where they've really kind of decided to play around with technologies with the S20 Ultra. So that is more like where there's more of a disconnect between um, the kind of S20 versus S20 Plus. Um, and I mean, it's quite exciting. They they really do seem like they've come to the party a bit more with this because, um, I mean, there, there's obviously some similar specs to the S10 range, but they've really upped things like battery, um, RAM, that type of thing, and then um, their camera setup. So the S20 has a triple lens setup um, with a 64 megapixel lens, which is quite a, a big <laughs> lens um, to have on like a standard S20 or standard mm. Galaxy um, S flagship. The... Um, the uh, S20 Plus comes with a slightly bigger battery, so the S20 is 4,000 mAh, and then the um, S20 Plus is 4,500. And they're very similar, slightly bigger size, that type of thing, a little bit of extra RAM, and then the only extra lens is a depth-sensing 
names that it has. It also comes with the trip, uh, yeah, now it's a quad <laughs> uh, camera setup because of the depth sensing lens, but it's also very similar with the 64 megapixel lens. And then S20 Ultras, where they really kind of, I don't know, trying to show what they can do because you see a lot of these experimental phones coming out of China and most of the main manufacturers outside of China kind of play it safe. So um, Samsung with the S20 Ultra has gone for a 5,000 milliampere hour battery. Um, there's a uh, yeah, 12 or 16 gigs of RAM, depending on the version, and then a 108 megapixel wide angle lens is on their, their quad lens camera setup, and then plus a 40 megapixel selfie cameras. This is just kind wow. of the yeah, it's like all the bells and whistles for like content creators and people who really want a very powerful device. Um, so I do like that, that they've made it like the more accessible if you just want a premium smartphone with good things on it. And then the, okay, people looking for like a ultra premium smartphone with all the bells and whistles, like here's the S20 ultra, um, which yeah, it's, it's impressive. Like I have to admit, like even now I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's a movie that's- camera. Yeah, they actually did uh, record some some things. They were showing off some of their um, camera recording because it's also capable of 8K video recording. Um, and they were showing off things that they shot, like promos for movies and that type of stuff, or like trailers they shot on the phone. And it it really is a very very powerful um, device. The whole lineup as well has 5G support, so it's their full their first like full 5G range, rather than being like this is the S20 range and here's the 5G version. They've just made them all 5G compatible. Um, yeah, so they've gone all in on the things like battery and then cameras as well. Um, yeah, and it's it's definitely an exciting um, range. The only thing that makes me hesitate is the price, <laughs> um, because the prices for like the S20 standard start at $999, and then the S20 Ultra goes up to uh, $1,600, which is a lot. Um, but I guess it's more in line with what what's in the US when it comes to somewhere like South Africa. We're with our exchange rate, but also the taxes, we end up kind of paying like 150% of the price versus like US. So we, we pay more. It's not just a strict conversion rate. So somewhere yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it's like, whoa. <laughs> when you see the prices, it's like, oh. <laughs> but I think maybe in the US, it's a much more considered um, price. It's not as, as shocking as it is sure. to people in other countries. That's, I mean, yeah, I mean, those are great features. And I'm, I mean, I'm not surprised by the pricing, to be honest with you. I'm uh, awaiting a review device of the uh, Purism Librem 5, which is going to be retailing for around $2,000. Mm. So, and, you know, that's a very specific set of features. So I'm not entirely surprised to see the um, the, the top-end Galaxy S20 mm. quite as high as that, but I I find it very difficult for 95 plus percent of smartphone users to justify spending 1600 pounds 1600 mm. big pardon on a phone on any phone mm. regardless of what it would do when they could buy a, a phone and a tablet 
or even a phone in a laptop <laughs> for less. Laptop, yeah. yeah, and yeah. especially in countries where there's things like taxes and stuff. So yeah, here we're paying closer to, for the S20. We're playing paying closer to fifteen hundred dollars rather than the thousand dollar price tag. So something like the um, S20 Ultra is closer to two thousand dollars for us here. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's. It's definitely I understand why people would maybe flinch at the price, but I'm quite I'm quite glad that kind of Samsung's brought <laughs> brought it with this release and not playing it too safe, um, because especially with uh, Huawei's vulnerabilities right now, like they're still doing exciting things, but the whole Google services things does really limit the appeal of their new devices. Um, yeah. 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 I uh, I mean, do you see? I feel as though this might be a price rise too far. To mm. be honest with you, I do wonder if maybe they should just hold off on these features for the future version. Um, for a future version, I I do wonder if they're shooting themselves in the foot and maybe thinking giving themselves that kind of, you know, it's okay for Apple. Because they're the only provider of iOS. So if you want Apple, you get Apple. That's it. You're probably prepared to pay for Apple. When it comes to Android, there's a possibility, there's a likelihood even, of pricing yourself out of the market. Mm. And if Samsung give themselves the reputation of being an expensive brand, then perhaps people that would have bought Samsung are going to look at the price of the S20 Ultra, think, I'm not paying that much for a phone, walk away from Samsung entirely and go, and buy something a lot cheaper. Mm, It seems like their backup plan to that potential thing has been the price drop of the S10 series that's coming alongside the launch um, of $150 to $200, it seems, in like definitely the US, possibly the UK as well. So trying to keep people still in the ecosystem being like, okay, if the S20 is too expensive for you, we just made the S10 and the S10 Plus cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think that, but yeah, there is a potential definitely in developing markets. I think the price kind of the boldness they've taken is because with Huawei's vulnerability, a lot of people are looking for a premium alternative. Um, and it has hampered, I know the company is still growing, but somewhere in like South Africa where they do really, really well, um, people don't want to have to give up things like Google Maps yeah, yeah. <laughs> and stuff and the ability to cost to their Chrome and stuff. So I think that's why Samsung was being a bit bolder with their price and trying to match more alongside Apple because I guess in the US and UK, you still have brands like OnePlus that are easily accessible. Um, but here, when it comes to premium things like Xiaomi doesn't have a, a much of a presence here, even though they make great quality devices at much lower prices um and then yeah i think it's the kind of lack of premium competition in some spaces that is making them so bold with these prices yeah yeah okay so uh, check the show notes for uh, more information on the samsung galaxy s20 series we're going to uh, leave you now with a couple of giveaways that are running on make use of first of all this is a little bit niche if you're interested in resin printing, so it's in 3D, it is kind of 3D printing, but it's with resin rather than plastic. Uh, we are giving away an LD002R from Creality. 
It has been given a massive 10 out of 10 score by reviewer James Bruce. Uh, there's a review video with that for you to check out and opportunities to win it via the giveaway panel. So check that out. We've also reviewed the Tango Tab, a cheap Android tablet. Uh, it's rated 5 out of 10. It isn't most advanced or the fastest or the thinnest Android tablet available, but it does have some various advantages, such as quite a few ports. It's expandable with a micro SD card, features a 1.5 gigahertz quad-core processor and 3 gigabytes of DDR3 RAM, which is the smallest you can expect from a tablet these days if you expect any sort of performance from it. <laughs> Again, that's a giveaway running and make use of, so go and check that out if you're interested. And that wraps up this week's really useful podcast. Big thanks to Megan. Thanks for having me. And thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to uh, get in touch with us if you have any questions and if you know anyone who you feel could benefit from uh, our advice on the really useful podcast, share us. We're available on pretty much every podcast platform that you can think of. Until next time, it's goodbye.